0: Next guest is Danny Posey, who joins us from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Danny has over 16 years in the industry as he's worked as a server, bartender, corporate trainer, and general manager. After several years in a managerial role, working 80 to 90 hour weeks in a corporate restaurant environment, Danny simplified his life and got back to bartending. Currently, Danny is the bar manager at The Amendment in Fayetteville. Over the course of the last several years, Danny has been spending more time traveling to various industries events and trade shows such as Tales of the Cocktail, Bar Convent Brooklyn, Behind the Barrel, Bar Convent Berlin, and Portland Cocktail Week. As a side project, Danny's also helping smaller brands with little to no footprint in Arkansas raise awareness of their brands and host tastings and cocktail classes for the public. Make sure you check out Danny's Instagram profile at Drink With Danny. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are back with another episode
1: of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. I'm the host of the show, the producer, engineer extraordinaire. To my right is Dan Soretta. How are you? I'm awesome. No complaints. Yeah, I just got back from a trip out west.
0: Yeah, we did some snowboarding for a couple of days. Yeah. So I went and hit the Rocky Mountains out at beautiful Sun Peaks.
1: I was expecting to show up here and find you in
0: like a full-length leg cast so well um, i just pleasantly got, surprised well, i did just get feeling in my arm earlier today back again <laughs> so that's a good sign and my knee is kind of working one of them <laughs> not bad, perfect, not bad. Perfect. but i had a great time luckily you work in a chair yes thankfully <laughs> yeah because getting up from the chair of the bathroom is a chore right now quite honestly <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we've had a bit of a break. I think we'll be back to a relatively regular Monday schedule weekly in case you've been missing us, as I'm sure you have. If you are enjoying what we're doing here on the Industry Podcast, what you want to do is subscribe, rate and review the show. That helps a great deal with our analytics and um, the algorithms, as it were.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Zach Hanna is the man behind the artwork on our Instagram page at zachanna.co So you're going to want to check out all of his stuff. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can DM us directly at the industry podcast on Instagram, or you can email us info at the industry podcast.club. Also, if you're looking to sponsor the show, those are the places to do it. Let's see. What else? If you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, come check out my bars. There's Sugar Run, Downtown Kitchener, The Speakeasy, where we have a weekly comedy night going on right now, Wednesday nights, with Olivia Stadler, who is one of the head writers on Letterkenny.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So you want to check that out? That's every Wednesday. And then, of course, great cocktails there all weekend long. We actually just released our new cocktail list, so you're going to want to come and check that out if you haven't been in recently. Mm -hmm. Uptown, Babylon Sisters Wine Bar. That is the spot to be in Uptown Waterloo. Uh, wine and Cocktails and DJ Bane every Friday night. DJ Nana last Saturday of every month. And we're also doing some art shows in there now as well with MK Visuals. So check out all of that stuff. If you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, please come by. Say hi. Mm-hmm. I'm almost always at one of the spots drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so every time you leave your house, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I think that's all we really need to chat about. Let's bring in this week's guest coming to us from Fayetteville, Arkansas, a man that I met at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans, so, and he was on our Tales of the Cocktail show. So you should check that out in the archives if you haven't listened to that one yet. Danny Posey is joining us. Last time I saw you was at Pay Shows. Yeah,
2: waiting yeah. on our- that never showed.
1: <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, it was quite an experience. The guy, I don't know if they just didn't realize that it's a pretty well-known cocktail bar in New Orleans and it was during Tales of the Cocktail, so there might be a few fucking bartenders there. Uh, But the drinks were good, but there was one guy working and he was very overwhelmed. So Danny and I did our whole... interview there at the table without getting a drink and then we had to take our drinks to go which luckily you can't do in new orleans yeah (laughs) but the drinks were good well so so, absolutely yeah yeah they did it right so um shout out to pay if you're ever in new orleans i'm sure they're normally regularly staffed (laughs)
0: quick question about the drinks to go what do they put them in plastic cup just plus plastic and like a lid and stuff or just like just walk out no and it was raining (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that <laughs> yeah. okay
1: so you rained every damn day I feel like yeah it did hey eh? that was weird like but it was it was always in like spurts like yeah. it was almost like you were in the Caribbean where like you it would like rain pretty hard for like 30 minutes and then it would be fine and then hours go by and then it would rain again for like 30 minutes pretty hard but anyway, that was a fun time and
2: uh, it's good to see you again, Danny how to th- how have things been since I uh, last saw you uh, good man been more traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, currently getting snowed in, so not sure what this week's going to bring. You're getting snowed in. Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying seven to eight inches of accumulation overnight. No shit. Do you guys
1: even have snow services in Arkansas? <laughs>
2: Not really. <laughs> oh, your own treatment. That's about it. Okay. oh this should work out well. We're supposed to get a massive storm
1: here tonight, but we're used to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's let's start right there. You have been doing a lot of traveling around. I obviously, and uh, you mentioned in your bio when you sent it over as well. But I've noticed just from your Instagram page. Oh, let's just start right there. Tell people where to follow you on Instagram since we're going to talk about it. At drink with Danny. Drink with Danny and I follow you, so I was check. I've noticed a lot you've been doing, hitting up a lot of the cocktail
2: and bartender shows all over the country. Yeah, man. It uh started with the Las Vegas Expo last year and then did that. Had a hell of a time just you know meeting people, trying new spirits out. Actually, found something we brought back to my bar, which was kind of cool. But actually, I got to connect with Elena Answer that I know you've had on the show, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, and she told me that tells of the cocktail, right. So in researching that, I discovered Bar Convent, Brooklyn, which is a smaller two-day trade show, but longer hours.
1: Yeah, y- Yelena was, uh, and I to talk briefly about maybe trying to hit that one up as well,
2: but it didn't end up working out. How is that one? It's a lot of fun. Um, it's similar to the Vegas one, just kind of dialed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little more educational opportunities in there, which was one thing I was really looking forward to and was excited to be able to sit in on. I took part in two different aperitivo classes. Which was something my knowledge base was next to nothing on. So that right. was. A- so, at what point did you decide that the that
1: this was like? So, when you went to the Vegas show, and was, was that sort of okay? This is a cool thing to you can learn a lot. You can try a bunch of different drinks. It's a fun time. It's also going to be educational. And then that was sort of what got you into maybe hitting up a bunch of these other shows, or was there a specific? Was there a different reason why you decided to dedicate yourself to some of these things?
2: Uh, I mean, that kind of kickstarted. I've always had a passion for traveling and not being home. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right um, but just haven't had the opportunity. With some of my previous jobs, I was nailed down to you know being in the restaurant fifty six right. hours a week. You know, at two weeks vacation per year. So just my my boss allows me the flexibility to travel. Like I mean, it's all my dollars. So I've got the money and the time go.
1: Yeah, yeah, and those shows are fun, but they can also be educational as well. The one thing I've just discovered is you just got to take it easy during the day at some of these trade shows going around. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, uh, I mean, you, Tills you, definitely taught me it's okay to throw drinks away. It's okay to you know, just have a couple sips and put it aside. Yeah. I no le- you're doing 20, 30 drinks a day. There's
1: no way to walk no. out. No, I learned the hard way at the Vegas show. I remember coming out the first day of the, the <laughs> convention center, and it was like, I was just absolutely wasted and I'm like, what time is it? It's like two PM. I'm like, oh my God. It's like <laughs> blazing hot outside. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, dude. That was definitely me in Vegas. I think I ended my Last day in Vegas, taking shots at Old Smoky Moonshine, just one after the other. They're going to shut down the booth, so they're just trying (laughs) their
1: open product. Uh, So I'm interested in the scene in Fayetteville. I've never been to Arkansas; I know nothing about it. The bar that you work at now is called the Amendment. Correct. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that bar, and then also about the sort of the craft cocktail scene
2: at all in Fayetteville. So my bar is kind of a weird hybrid. I mean, we're in a university town, so the downtown area does cater mostly to the college clientele. I'm um, Just I mean that's where the money is. Ours mm-hmm. a little different. We have a rooftop patio, so that's very popular with the kids. Uh, but I also have w- probably one of the better whiskey selections in town. Decent cocktail menu, but also you know two dollar and fifty cent well specials. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. wow! Right. So that's yeah. going to bring in the student crowd for sure. Yeah. yeah. In the last year and a half, I've kind of redone the cocktail program. It was kind of non-existent when I started there. I remember one of my first days bartending. They're like, "Oh, don't even worry about re- you know learning these recipes." Nobody orders this shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, when you got the two fifty, well, shit. I guess why would they? <laughs>
0: yeah. But nobody's nobody was pushing it. Nobody wanted to push it either. Right. Yeah. Well, what's the what's big the university. school? What's the uh, school that's in Fayetteville? Uh, it's the University of Arkansas. Oh, okay. So there's the Razorbacks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh,
1: yeah. That's,
0: that's a big one.
1: Yeah. Yep. Massive kind of college football town, and I guess college basketball as well, right? Oh, yeah. Basketball yeah. is usually basketball and baseball are kind of our two uh, big draws. Oh, really? More than football? I mean, football's good, but I mean, as far as like
2: our team's actually really good in basketball and baseball.
1: Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Football's yeah. hit or miss. Gotcha. Okay. So in the city in general, it's mostly like college town, lots of cheap drinks. So what is what are some of the challenges of trying to introduce like a higher end cocktail program in in like basically a grip and rip college
2: town? Really that price point. Well, I mean, you know, these kids are always looking for a deal. They're coming in you know, midnight on Saturday and be like, Hey, what's your special? What do you have on deal tonight? Right. But just, you know, for us, it's making sure we have those menus out at all times. Like they're front and center on the bar. So when you approach, we don't have uh, we don't have table service. We don't have cocktail servers. It's complete bar service. You come up, you order from us. We make your drinks and you walk away. Mm. Um, we're in one of those weird states where we don't have to serve food to have oh. a it's like an on-premise license.
1: Oh, is that right?
2: Yeah. That's my dream. Oh, dude, it's so nice. I, mean, I did food service for the bulk of my career. So, to right. worry about kitchens and cooks and you know food, it's just so nice. Yeah, you kind of grew
1: up in the sort of corporate world of uh, bars and restaurants, right? So, talk to us a little bit about like, well, we've obviously talked to a million people who've done that on this show. Uh, well, a million, 140, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but one thing we always get from most of those people who've started in sort of that corporate version of the bar service, the service industry is that. Like, it's great for learning steps of service and teaching your organization and all of that. But then there's challenges with it as well, like lack of ability to do anything
2: creative, etc. Would you find, do you find the same thing? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, like, I'm thankful for the experience I did have, mm-hmm. like, definitely gives you structure, which mm-hmm. I bars really need. Um, so you are be able to have just that background. Yeah, like you said, I mean, if somebody came in and they wanted, you know, an espresso martini, if it wasn't our menu, I'm sorry, I'm not making it for you. Yes, I have an espresso machine. Yes, I have vodka. Oh, really? Yeah. Menu, and I don't have a way to ring it in and properly account for it because they're so focused on, like, proper inventory control. Wow. out you know, to the effect of, like, well, it has to be exact.
1: Right. And, like, inventory control is, like, it's it's like kind of something interesting to talk about in the service industry. Let's just talk flesh that out a little bit because, like, in bars like mine you obviously have to still do inventory and you have to keep track of where the booze is. Cause we all know it's very easy for employees to steal from you, <laughs> but, uh, but like in a craft cocktail style bar, there's going to be tons of stuff that's not going to get accounted for. Even if everyone's doing everything on the level, whereas in the corporate structure, they're looking for everything to be accounted for at all times, right? Like, wh- like, what are your feelings about the differences between those two sort of organizational
2: structures? I mean, like, the way our system works is we have, like, two or three upcharge buttons. So it's just a miscellaneous spirits category. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's say that somebody wants to do a two-ounce pour and an old-fashioned versus, you know, standard one-and-a-half-ounce pour. We'll just hit that upcharge button. Or if we're doing a multi-spirit thing, then we'll charge for whatever the most most expensive base is and then just add that upcharge. And then we get Report it just says unknown liquor, you know, 120 ounces sold or whatever it is.
1: Right. Which is, I think it, like, it's like, there's no way, there's no other way to do it at like a right. cocktail bar. But like speaking from an owner's perspective as well, I just know that that's shit I, that's not really accounted for. Like, I don't know what fucking booze you used in that situation. Right. It's just like yeah. any booze up to <laughs> So that, I think that's what makes this one of the most unique sort of businesses around because you can't like i remember i worked at a place where all of a sudden the gm changed uh and they had like an ownership group and one of the minority owners was the gm and then all of a sudden her brother was and her brother came from the propane industry uh, where everything is very exactly accounted for right and coming to the, uh, like a bar he had he was just baffled by how the numbers didn't align every single fucking time and didn't understand spillage didn't understand like overpour or foaming up of draft like <laughs> all of the things
2: that lead that you can't account for yeah yeah you brought up spillage like a, one of the restaurants i worked in we didn't have a spill tab oh yeah <laughs> let's say that you know i'm halfway through pouring a beer and the keg blows or you know a server accidentally knocks over the martini yeah that's just, I mean, that's two ounces of alcohol just lost right there. There's no way to account for it. Right. And like, he
1: he would try and charge us back for it, which was fucked, man. I used to come in, like I would work Wednesday to Saturday and I'd come in on Wednesday and I'd like, before I'd started my shift, I already owed 150 bucks. Like it was fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. So it it is a very unique business in that, in in that specific sense, in many senses, but that one specifically. And that's why I always find like people who don't, know anything about the service industry. I've never worked in it. And they're just like, fuck it. I'm going to open a bar. I I, I, I drink in bars. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's like, it's <laughs> not. And I always try to tell these people, it's not like every other business. If you have never done it, then at least hire someone who has. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You also like ran a bunch of these places as a GM, right? Yeah. So what made you decide to give up on that and then kind of take a step back and go back into like your roots of being a bartender?
2: Honestly, and it was the stress and lack of freedom. Right. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. I'm going two weeks off. You're pulling those open to closes without getting compensated for it right
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: my life was work and it was i mean it was starting to wear on me like my mental health suffered like physically i was just terrible you know i'm eating at 1 a.m that's my only meal of the day because i just worked 15 hours and i was the manager on duty and also the only cashier and maybe i a food runner as well and like having to cook and it was just too much um, yeah
1: you could you kind of had to do, know how to do all the jobs and you're going to be pressed to do them at all points right yeah yeah.
2: Hey, and so, middle I mean, man getting back behind the bar is I mean, it was honestly at start is I just want to go in, clock in, make my money and get the fuck out of there at the end of the night. Yeah. And and you now are in a place where you you have a little bit of creativity as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So it ended up I mean it ended up better for me. Honestly, I'm making about 25% more than I was as a salary GM. So right. You know, nice. Yeah. You, you all.
1: Middle, a- middle management sucks, man. Like I always say like, oh, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause I've done that job. I've, I've done all the jobs. Like, I, uh, but the best jobs are either like just you own the spot or you are the bartender there. Like all the other jobs kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when you, at what point did you start thinking that you wanted to try out competitions? Uh, it honestly started
2: last year. Oh really? So very recently. Yeah. So I think my first one I did. Uh, everything I've done so far has been online. Uh, oh, okay. A huge, like cocktail scene or bartender community. So most of it have been through like Instagram or with like the Chilled One Hundred that they have they sponsored by brands. Uh, first one I did was with Rind Fruit Snacks. <laughs> they were oh, really. Get, <laughs> yeah, they were trying to get their snacks like you know to a broader audience, right? Because there's yeah. free or uh, dehydrated fruits. Yeah. So the only stipulation was you had to feature their product in your drink. Right. So that's so pretty pretty open. A, what's that? <laughs> that's yeah, pretty wide open. open. Yeah. I mean, it was, they've been great learning experiences. That one specifically, you know, I just used their dried peaches and made a fan and used it as the garnish. And then you know, some people that won the competition, they were infusing their spirits with these things. One of them took it and ran it through a food processor and used it as a rim. Oh, wow. Jesus So all these competition for me did more learning experiences. Like, yeah, you know, the $100, $500, whatever cash prize would be nice, but just being able to go and develop my skill set.
1: Right. And so do you take some of these concepts and bring them back to your own bar and try some of them out or like, we all borrow, right? So. Oh yeah. 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 And so you were mentioning that you, your bar in Fayetteville has a, an amazing
2: whiskey selection. Is that because of you? Have you stocked that up? No, no, that was well before me. Um, my bar has been around, I think, 14 years now. Oh, okay. then that has always been kind of their focus. When you walk in, it's wood paneling, almost like library-style shelves a huge ladder. Um, oh, nice. oh, nice. We call it the Whiskey Club. So we've selected 56 of our whiskeys off there. Uh, come in, you know, try them however you want to do them. And then once you complete that list that we keep, you get your plaque on the wall with your name.
1: Oh, okay. Cool.
2: Yeah. Um, I have worked to kind of update it, uh, you know post-COVID distribution was fucked everywhere um especially in the bourbon category for some reason i didn't get anything really cut about half of our bourbons out and then replaced them with kind of like newer trending bourbons Uh what are some of the newer trending ones because i'm like sort of i
1: i used to be very involved in the whiskey scene especially at my first bar but i've kind of i've discovered that uh whiskey and me don't mix that well so like I'll, I'll sip on it at home but i can't drink it when i'm out so the, Get that. Yeah, like what so i'm a little bit out of the scene like the last whiskey like, for instance, the last bourbon that was sort of new when i was getting into it um when i was really into it sorry uh that i still think is one of the top ones i've ever tried was angel's envy but uh i have not like i i basically out of the scene since then so what are some of the hot new bourbons uh, or or any kind of whiskey that you're you're bringing into
2: the bar? Uh, well, I mean, my personal favorite is Rabbit Hole. Uh, mm. My favorite distillery right now. So we've added two of their expressions with most of our students being from mostly the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then various other parts of Texas. We added TX. Okay. So a TX-based whiskey. Uh, we've added Heaven's store, Penelope. Trying to focus more on those kind of mid-range. Mm. So not necessarily your brown forming products or your... Uh, diageo products or anything like that but i'm not trying to push you know happy and blantons and True. all these complicated things yeah they don't need your help right yeah i'm <laughs> uh, trying to go these you know kind of in the middle like i think you know 10 to 20 pours of whiskeys
1: yeah and it's good to like support Check those up. sort those sort of independence distilleries right like because like you met like talking about brown foreman or diageo or whatever like again they don't really need your help pushing those but like these smaller distilleries they do need the help
2: yeah, I mean, nothing against those. Like, I mean, I'm really with one of the managers, Brown Foreman, like Woodford, my daily, you know, pour. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, they've got the infrastructure to support themselves. Right, exactly. Those are names that are plastered on billboards and in magazines and what have you. Mm-hmm.
0: I actually had a question about how you obtain your liquor down in Arkansas. Like, interviewing your various American uh, guests, it's always like state-by-state laws. So, down in Arkansas, is it state-owned liquor stores? Is it private liquor stores or a combination of both?
2: It's private-owned liquor stores and then depending... And you've got two different uh, licensing types from premise Oh. So if you're a restaurant with food service, you have one license. If you have no food service like my establishment does, you have a separate license. So with mine, I actually cannot legally go through a distributor. I have to purchase from a liquor store. Oh, weird. Huh. With the food service license, you have to go through a distributor and cannot...
0: Purchase from a liquor store. What? Wow, that's, that sounds like a law from the 1945 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, dude, welcome
2: to the South, man. It's yeah. there's a bunch of weird, outdated stuff. Oh, we have like oh.
1: some of these as well. Like, we only were allowed to do off-sales this when the pandemic hit because it was they were throwing us a bone. So there was no no selling booze out the door for the entire time I've been in. It. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's and plus, yeah, all of our stores, pardon me, are government owned. Our hours were crap for the longest time. Yep. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were straight out the eighteen hundreds. A yeah. lot of the laws here, <laughs> but it's pretty
1: interesting talking, like Dan mentioned, uh, talking to people from all over the U.S. now because it's weird. It is. It's totally state by state about what you can do. But that,
2: yeah, that law specifically that you're talking about seems so antiquated. Yeah, and I mean it kind of has benefits. Like I don't want to say it's totally negative. I mean it does suck that we're paying retail prices with a little bit of a price break. But also, I'm not tied down to one establishment right okay as you know if your sales rep from xyz distributor pisses you off you still have to deal with it Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas now you know if because that's the only place that you can get let's say Patron in that area it's from that right, right, right now if the liquor store guy pisses me off i'll just go down the street to the next one and pick it up Right. Fair enough. It's going to be a dollar or two difference across the board. So it's not costing me that much money. Right.
1: So like going forward, are you looking to do more competitions? Are you still are you looking to do more traveling around to go to more of these uh, sort of conferences and shows? Or are you just pretty much like how are you going to use your free time going forward now? Like what's your main concentration? Because like (laughs) you mentioned that you're happy right now just making your money and going home and using it to do all this
2: sort of self-education, right? Uh, all the above. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair and enough. Actually, I just received the bottle of gin that I'm starting a, or doing a competition for with Silks Irish Dry Gin. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be working on that for the next couple of weeks to get that submitted. I've got five to six industry-related things on my calendar already as far as trips. Yeah, you've got Bartender's Weekend in San Diego followed by the Vegas Expo and then Brooklyn and then Tails again and then Portland Cocktail Week. Trying to just network with people through right? Starting a Canadian whiskey certification oh. with uh, Dave Mitten and Gina Fawcett from Hiram Walker. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of intense two-day a week for four-week program. Nice. And then also trying to kind of start my own side gig with trying to help smaller brands, things that don't have quite a footprint or even that exist in the state to get them some recognition, whether it's through you know tastings at liquor stores or hosting an event in my bar, things like that. Right. Yeah, I was a. Um...
1: When I, every time I go to these uh, sort of conferences, bartending conferences, what have you, like, I always find, like, you meet so many amazing people who are, like, promoting so many amazing brands that you've never heard of before. And I'm always like, well, let me see if I can help bring you into Ontario. And it's just like, every time I try that, because I get so excited about the brands, mm-hmm. and then, but then every time I try and bring them in, and just, like, for Ontario, it's such a roadblock, because you have to go through the liquor control board of Ontario. And like, there's just, it's almost like a fucking stop sign at all times. So I get frustrated and then I'm like, Oh, I got to stop going to these conferences. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, I totally you I mean, I felt so many amazing products last year and, you know, i talked to the brand rep, talked to the owner, you know, whoever's there doing their stuff, got through their whole thing. And it's like, Oh, we're not in Arkansas yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a constant thing for us is, yeah, I can imagine. How do I get you in? What can I do to help you get into Arkansas?
1: Right. And like I I feel for these distilleries, too, because if you kind of sell out to a distribution company, then and you're not like one of their big like if it's like, say you got bought up by a Diageo or whatever. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. you're going to be so low on their list of shit to push. Like you almost need to be with like a boutique style distributor. So that they actually focus on what you have to offer as a smaller distillery. And it's the same in the wine business, right? I don't know
2: anything about wine. Oh, okay. Uh, well, wine selection at the, my bar is Boda Box. I have <laughs> four varietals all in a box. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with box
1: wine, especially when you're yeah. camping. <laughs> yeah. It makes my life easy. Yeah. Uh, but but you would agree that that's the situation with like a small distillery. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's And like, I don't know. It's... I like, I'm frustrated just watching it. That's like, as a consumer. So I can't even imagine how frustrating it must be for like the actual
2: distillers. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, cause I mean, there's been how much money trying to get out there and then, you know, they've got an amazing product. They just don't have a way to get it in people's hands. Exactly. So one of
1: the things we've been discussing more recently on the show is like, cause I've just been trying to get my head around, like, what is the ceiling for the craft cocktail game? Like how
2: far till we've gone too far or we, there's no, there's no further to go. You know, I've, actually, I've noticed that the last few weeks, just listen to your episodes. Mm. I don't know where it is. I feel like right now it's taking a very culinary approach. Yeah. It's something I have absolutely no experience in. And again, being in a bar that doesn't serve food, I don't even have access to any of that. You right. know, I burners and blenders and what have you to do these. But it's almost becoming theatrical, too. Uh-huh. It's more about the showmanship and the appearance than the actual ingredients. Yeah, I agree. And I, I feel think like I can take, you know water and the shittiest fucking spirit mix it together but as long as it's pretty and has this nice foam on top and you know this beautifully crafted 10 cent edible garnish <laughs> yeah
1: no then you're kind of making my point because i'm just like feel as much as that stuff looks great on instagram and it looks great on yeah. the tv or whatever like as a kid like at what point are the your guests going to be like you know what i just want a well-crafted cocktail that doesn't
2: take 45 minutes to make Right, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking it. I'm not trying to, you know, take pictures of it. This isn't, it's a work of art in a different way. Yes, and you uh, here, a sculpture. It's meant to be consumed and enjoyed that way, not visually.
1: Right, but part of the problem too is so many people now, like even my wife, like we can't go out to dinner before. I'm not allowed to eat anything until pictures have been taken of all the food for Instagram, right? <laughs> right. So, and and it's the same with it so I think that that has kind of become the situation in the cocktail game as well, where like people are snapping photos of it for Instagram and they care less about
2: what the fucking drink tastes like than what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of doing that too, but mine is more focused on like I'll list the ingredients when I'm at another bar, mm. like you know, go see my guy here at X Y Z bar, like. He made this amazing cocktail. This is what's in it. So it's more a yeah. of memory and not, ooh, look, it's pretty. Right.
1: Yeah. You are good at that. I've noticed that on your account. And I like I always appreciate that as like someone who owns bars and whatever. Like you're very supportive of um going to other places wherever you are, where you have wherever you have any traveling, or even if it's in your hometown there, and like saying, I had this cocktail, this is what's in it. It's amazing. Here's the bartender who made it. I I more people need to be doing shit like that. So
2: thank you. Oh, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't look as, I mean, no one's competing with me. Right. Uh, there are like nearby bars that would be somewhat competition, but those bartenders aren't in competition with me. It's business versus business. That's yep. a, the owners and the financials. Like, I want you to do well as much as you want me to do
1: well, right? Right. And and honestly, as a bar owner, like that should be the situation with the owners as well, because the more bars in a certain re- er- specific area in the city that are good, the better for everybody because nobody hangs out in the same bar all night anymore. Yeah. For me, I mean, you know, it's your your bar's packed. I'm not waiting 20 minutes to get a drink. I'm just going to step next door. Yeah. And that's a good thing that you just want yeah. people to, you want people to come down to the area where your bar is. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. My, my thing about this too, is like, is there going to be a, a guest backlash at some point where they're just like, fucking just make me a well-crafted cocktail, do it in a reasonable amount of time. I don't really care what it looks like. Or are we now, Stuck in this realm where there's so much about, like, for anyone. Like, I got, and not to diverge too much, but like, if I'm looking around my bar on any given night, there's always somebody who's just taking a picture of themselves in the bar where they're at, the fucking drink that they got, the food that they got. Um, and it's like, I'm like, are you enjoying any of what's happening here? Or is it just to prove that
2: you were there and this is what you drank and this is what you ate? No, I mean, I think you hit it right there. Like, especially this younger generation. I mean, they've grown up with technology and social media in their hands. I mean, right? you know, they had an Instagram account from the time they were seven. They're on TikTok. Like, it's for them, it's almost a secondary world they're living in. That mm-hmm. No matter what they're doing, as long as it's captured on Instagram, right? Or TikTok. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the persona that matters. Yeah. And like,
1: so, and this was kind of what I've been struggling with. And like, maybe I'm, I'm using the show as therapy now, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, are we at the point where there's going to be a backlash where people eventually just like, I just want good drinks again, or are are we past the point of no return where because of the younger generation, it's always going to be about the aesthetics and less about the the quality of the product. I don't know, man.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's both. Maybe. Like, it circles back around to where, you know, we're not worrying about smoke and mirrors, but we're making a well crafted drink still using quality garnishes. So it still looks nice. Right. But I'm knocking this out in five minutes and not 45. Right. Yeah. And it still tastes incredible.
1: Well, and that's the thing like, how, like, I'm sure you've experienced this too, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a place over the last couple of years, whether it was at one of these conferences or just a cocktail bar in my area or in toronto or wherever where like i've gotten one of these incredible looking drinks and then i taste it and it was just like like i'm not gonna say it tasted like shit but it just also didn't taste like but what's special about it yeah exactly you want you want the flavor to blow your mind right like be like wow what an amazing well-balanced cocktail not just boy did
2: that look good oh no absolutely Yeah. Did did you watch the art in a different way? It's been too not Like, you should enjoy the art through other senses other than just visually. Right. Yes, that's exactly it.
1: Did you watch the Drink Masters show?
2: Uh, I did. Yeah.
1: So, one thing I – and it's hard to tell because we – you can't taste the drink through the fucking screen. But, like, I thought they did an okay job of saying, like, when the judges were coming around to judge the cocktails – they did judge it on appearance but like in the presentation but they also did were like drinking and be like that's well balanced or this was not well balanced and here's how you fucked up now who's to say like i can't like we could like again we couldn't taste it through the screen so who knows if they actually tasted good or not but um it's kind of why we've been sort of promoting that show on our show is because i I think that they've kind of pulled it off the idea that
2: the drink has to look good, but
1: it also has to taste good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I'm actually, I'm friends with a few of the contestants that were on there. I've got to meet them throughout my travels. Uh, my biggest thing with that show was I felt like it was a very niche group of bartenders. I mean, they all have this, like, strong culinary background. Right. That's what we were saying earlier. Like, I can never make on that show. I'd be out day one. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. I don't have access to those techniques to learn to do those. Right. No, you
1: are right about that. And, like, even the couple that we've had on the show here... Uh, both had strong culinary backgrounds, right? And like, yeah. Now I don't know if that's because this is the trend in bartending, or is because, or is that because that makes for a like more visually interesting program? I don't know. I never thought of it that way. Right. Because like, I I just wonder if like the whole cooking aspect of it, like,
0: okay, I think it, I think it might lure in more casual viewers who we'll right, watch like, all the cooking shows, right? But,
1: yeah. And so like someone like you who's never really done that kind of style of bartending, yeah. is that is that like? Do you find that like? The whole back sort of cooking aspect of it is more entertaining.
0: Uh t- totally. It makes it more relatable. Because As you true. know what those flavors are like, right? Because if someone says, hey, here's uh, you know, whatever some gin flavored, like whatever the alcohol flavor, it's like if you relate it to a certain food item and stuff, people go, okay, I know what that tastes like. Right. Because everyone eats every day, but not everyone drinks every day. What? I know, hard to
2: believe. It. <laughs> <laughs> but then also I feel like it almost gives a false sense of expectations. Yes. Seeing that you know there's what twelve bartenders from across the country and they're all doing this stuff. So I walk into any bar in Idaho or Georgia or Montana, that's what I'm expecting. Right, and that's not what they're doing. Right. People from across the country and they're all doing the same thing. So why aren't you doing this? Yeah, there's probably like a hundred bars. It's in going the to kind of like skew what reality is behind a bar.
1: Right. There's probably a hundred bars in the fucking world that actually do that style of a program. Right. Like, like most, most bars that you like, even like great cocktail bars are not doing that sort of culinary approach.
2: No, I mean, it's inefficient.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless, unless, you're, unless you're, sorry, unless you're prepping all day, but then that's like, as a, as a bar owner, I'm like, I'm not fucking
2: paying for that. Yeah. Or <laughs> unless you're charging 30 to $50 a cocktail. You know, just account for, well, I'm only getting three out in an hour, but I'm still making $150 per hour in sales just from this one person, you know, like. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, for instance, like I went
1: to like I've been to Bar Chef several times. and The, the one judge from that show is the owner of Bar Chef in Toronto. Um, uh-huh. And that's the experience there, quite frankly, is like you come in like uh, don't come in there if you're looking to. Get drunk, that's for sure. (laughs) Because you're gonna pay $30 to $40 for a drink and you're probably gonna wait 45 minutes to get it. Like and and they're great when you get them, like visually amazing. And and for sure it's on point balance wise, but it's also like, I don't know, like there's a time and a place for that. It's like going to a fine dining restaurant, but you're not doing it on a daily basis, right? Right. I I mean, you have to know that going in there too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I like the more, I just, I'm just like really trying to get my head around where we're going with this whole cocktail thing in the future. Like what is the future of it? Because if the future of it is just visually stunning cocktails that take a long time to make, then I I don't think that's
2: a feasible business proposition. Well, I mean, it takes a completely different person. Like Mm -hmm. do that. I mean, you can get your, you know, fashion design majors can then run a cocktail program because they're all about visual. Your marketing people can then run a cocktail program. That's right. Yeah. About, you know, balancing your flavor profiles or anything, as long as it looks good. Yeah.
1: Like, I just think like the amount of labor that goes into making some of these garnishes to prepping the whole culinary side of it, like Mm -hmm. it, it goes back to what you said. You have to charge so much for the drink that like we're getting to a point where how much is the guest willing to pay for a drink? Yeah, I'm not paying. Yep.
2: 20 bucks. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if it's an, a rare whiskey or tequila, yeah, I might spend up to $40, 50 on a pour of it. Yeah. But again, I'm not waiting 45 minutes on a neat pour of something. No, exactly, right? It's just an easy, like, you know, Yeah, I'm not spending yeah. $50 on a cocktail that I'm waiting 45 minutes on.
1: What's the most you've spent on a whiskey in a bar? Oh, around 50. Yeah. I wish I could say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I, I've been dumber than that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I went. I remember going to like. Well, I, there's this. They, I, they had this one bar in uh, Vegas. I think that was in the MGM. there's like a whiskey bar. It might be. I'm pretty sure it's the MGM. And they like they had Pappy, and it's like, oh, well, it's so hard to find Pappy, and it's like, <laughs> fuck, I'm gonna. You're already drunk. here in Vegas. I also <laughs> there's there's an amazing Scotch bar at the top of the W Hotel in Minneapolis. That I spent way too much on a dram for sure. But
2: <laughs> but but again, at least you're getting it fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean for me, like what's you that $50 a port, my palate's not refined enough. I'm not gonna be able to tell you the difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know. And you yeah. know, you a 14 year or a 23 year, I'm not telling you the difference on that. It's the same at that point to me
1: sure it's i i think like when you like for me when i bruise one of those crazy lists it's like more about the rarity like that's what you're paying yeah. paying for you're not paying for the difference between the 14 and the 23 you're paying for when am i ever going to see the 23 again or whatever right like so it's like you're that that's what you, most of what drives up the cost of spirits or wine is rarity oh no for sure
2: but for me, i'm like mm it's $150 a pour. don't care how rare it is. I'm not spending money. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's like, my entire nice bar tab right there. Yeah, Washington. yeah. It, <laughs> it can stay rare. Yeah. I'll, I'll live through someone else's hat. You know, tell me how it was. Yeah. That's
1: right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, this was awesome, Danny. It was great catching up again. And I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll have you back for sure. Because I want to know, I want to hear, maybe We, well, what we should do is maybe a show after you go to a couple more of these shows again like you've obviously sort of got it started. You've started to plan it out and maybe we could do like even like a you reporting from some of these conferences. That'd be a kind oh, of- yeah, that'd be fun. I've
2: got bartenders weekends in San Diego. That's the middle of March. And then right after that is the Vegas Expo. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. I hope you don't get snowed in tomorrow because we know you can't <laughs> fucking clean it if you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks a ton.